when you ask yourself who's in charge, the, 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 you, you get the most terrifying answer is the most likely one. And that is that nobody's in charge. Well, the ongoing examples of uh, Joe Biden's mental decline have gone from being worrisome to hilarious to troublesome to sad. Uh, but there's a, new, a recent case uh, that I'd like to talk about today, not just to point out another one of these uh, mental lapses, but to look at the entire dynamic of what modern politics has become. Uh, first of all, let's play the clip. This is uh, Joe Biden uh, in action just a few days ago. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be. Well, unfortunately, the answer to uh, where's Jackie is that uh, Jackie's dead. Jackie Walerski, a congressperson from Indiana, uh, was killed in a car crash uh, about a month earlier. So, okay, uh, that's not really what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is this. This is the response uh, that um, Karine that, uh, Jean-Pierre gave when asked about this uh, apparent memory lapse on the part of the president. The president was naming uh, the congressional champions on this issue and was acknowledging her incredible work. He had uh, he had already uh, planned to welcome the congresswoman's family uh, to the White House on Friday. There will be a, a bill signing in her honor this coming Friday. Uh, so, of course, she was on his mind. She was of top of mind uh, for the president. He uh, looks very much looks forward to discussing her remarkable legacy of public service with them when he sees her family this coming Friday. He said, Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? She must not be here. No, I totally understand. I just, I just explained she was on top of mind. Uh, um, you know, she, this wasn't what we were able to witness today and what the president was able to lift up uh, in this, uh, at this conference, at this event, uh, was how her, uh, her focus on um, wanting to uh, deal with, combat food insecurity in America. And this is something that he was lifting up and honoring. And again, he knows that he's going to see her family this coming Friday. There is a bill signing uh, that's going to happen in renaming a VA clinic in, in Indiana after the late Congresswoman. He knows that he is going to see her family and she was a top of mind. Scott, I've got kind of a thesis about this, um, this dynamic right? This, this refusal to admit that he just plain made a mistake. This, this, cause, cause as you could, as you could see from the clip, she was asked again and again and again, just nope. I think that the, the expression she used was, was that the reason he called her name out was because this was on top of mind. Uh, you mentioned just a few minutes before we started recall, uh, recording that you'd lost a friend in a car accident and he was on top of mind. The first thing that would have entered your head is not to ask where he is. If it really was on top of mind, you'd be well aware of the fact he wasn't with us anymore. But my my this is my thesis, uh, Scott. Uh, if that had been me, for example, uh, and I had said, "Where's Jackie?" and people had said, "Well, she's uh, Bill. She's you know she's been killed a month ago," I would have said, "You know what? I I just plain forgot that." I, I was expecting to see her here. I have a lot of things on my mind, but clearly I made a mistake there and it's embarrassing, but but sometimes I just forget things, especially in the heat of the moment. And that would have been the end of it, right? But when you go to when you go to the to the wall defending this as not a lapse of memory, my thesis is is that while 
well, the entire idea of a politician admitting that they're wrong is, is, a, is a train that has left quite a long time ago. In this particular case, this is the one thing that Joe Biden's press secretary cannot admit to, that the president suffered a memory lapse because there are quite a number of those. I think a person who's in full command of their memory should be the first person to stand up and say, I just plain forgot. Well, and when you're a press secretary, you know, the number one rule for a press secretary is first do no harm. And by trying to excuse away this as something other than a lapse of memory, um, she did more harm than good. She kept the story alive. She exactly. made it a point of contention. She got an otherwise friendly press to become adversarial with her in the briefing room. And I'm sure she doesn't see them as a friendly press, but uh, in general, we do. And so she blew the situation up into more than it had to be. I mean, clearly, the, uh, he went off script. Unless the scriptwriter wrote that he should greet the dead uh, representative, which I doubt, he went off script. If he goes off script and, and mentions somebody by her first name when he's in, in Indiana, that means he had some sort of pre-existing relationship with her. He, When he went to Indiana, he would expect her to be there. A perfectly reasonable thing to do, say, you know, if I were the president, I would have said, you know, I've been to Indiana many times. And one of the things I love about coming to Indiana is I get a chance to Bingo. meet my old friend, Jackie. And uh, frankly, I, I forgot she was gone. And that would be a legitimate thing for somebody to say, because he had just yeah. expected her to be there. How many of us have lost a loved one or lost a friend? And we get in a situation in life and it's like, he's not here anymore. She's, she's gone. And that comes to you. That would have been natural. The press secretary should have just said, look, the president had a very close relationship with the representatives. Her loss, Boom. it was, he took it hard. And frankly, he just forgot she was gone. Everybody would have understood that. And they would <laughs> have, have applauded him. On both sides of the aisle, there's like, yeah, haven't I felt that before myself? But but she really, and unless she was getting orders from you know the, the somebody up higher, I, don't, I think it's the communication director or something that's above her, that if, if they're telling her, no, 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 under no circumstances are you to admit that the president ever makes a mistake in extemporaneous remarks that he makes in his countless public appearances and speeches and press conferences and stuff like that, then, then that's just idiotic. Just tell the truth to the American public and you lay the groundwork for them accepting other things you say that are more substantive. As well said, uh, Scott, uh, and, and your, your emotional reaction would have, would have been something that people would have actually admired him for instead uh, of, yeah, instead of vilified him for, uh, Steve, um, I've been uh, doing an awful lot of uh, research lately on on the Soviet state, and one of the qualities of the Soviet state uh, was its utter insecurity about itself, about its future, about its security, and so on. And because of its insecurity, the policy of the Soviet state and the terror that it enforced was a policy of infallibility, that we cannot be wrong, that everything the party says is by definition correct. This idea of infallibility is a common trait of dictators, it's a common trait of authoritarians, and it's a common trait of people who are insecure about what um, what that particular topic might be, which brings me to my question for you. Uh, you mentioned that um, uh, just before we recorded that Joe Biden had just made a trip to Puerto Rico, and um, 
And the Puerto Rican gentleman, who was raised by Puerto Ricans, of course, uh, went there and, and, and talked about um, feeling their pain by reading off a teleprompter. We've been seeing an awful lot of, of uh, Joe, Dr. Joe Biden lately on the podium with the president because we've also been seeing cases where the president didn't have Dr. Joe Biden with him. And he started meandering and walking off into a direction where there was no exit and had to essentially be restrained. So my question to you, Steve, is on some level, doesn't this idea of infallibility regarding memory anyway, indicate that there is in fact an extraordinarily serious memory problem and that to make an admission one time would be to essentially make an admission for all the rest of them. Yeah, it really would. That's a, uh, that's a, I guess that's a, a door they can't afford to even just crack open just a little bit because the evidence is all there. Um, those of us who have been watching politics for a long time have seen it. The Joe Biden we see today is not the Joe Biden we saw run for president briefly, thank goodness, then uh, in 1987. Not the same guy. In fact, I go so far as to say he's not the same guy we saw launch his campaign in 2019. And that guy was uh, firing on seven cylinders at best. Um, it, it is almost like a, a late Soviet period here. Uh, We've got our own Leonid Brezhnev, you know, uh, frail and, and increasingly senescent. Only uh, instead of outrageous eyebrows, he's got outrageous hair plugs. So I don't know how you balance that, which one you think is better or worse. Uh, I do almost feel bad, though, for uh, Green Jean-Pierre, the, the the press secretary. Um, you know, the, the old joke about you don't want to be the guy who has to clean up after the, the horses in the parade. Uh, you know, this guy running around with a pooper scooper at the back of the parade. Um Joe Biden isn't a horse in the parade. He is the elephant in the parade. And the elephant has been on a diet of uh, chili corn dogs and now has explosive diarrhea. And poor KJP <laughs> back there just has her little tiny pooper scooper. Um, on the other hand, she knew exactly what she was getting into. We had a, a year of watching Jen Psaki try to clean up this mess and fail. And Jen Psaki is pretty sharp. I don't think she has a moral core, but she's, you know, pretty sharp. Absolutely. Uh, KJP is uh, not particularly sharp, or at least she's not very well prepared for this job. On the other hand, when you're trying to clean up Joe Biden's messes, who could be? Uh, I am uh, not a fan of Corrine Jean-Pierre by any means. I, I think everything about her prior to becoming secretary was uh, loathsome. Uh, and I don't think she's very good at it. I think that, that, yeah. that this constant glancing down at what I'm supposed to say and reading the the response certainly weakens her effectiveness, uh, certainly compared to Jen Zaki, who was really much better at it. Uh, but with that said, I agree with you, Steve. There are times when I feel sorry for this woman and that I don't know how anyone could do that job. Sometimes in situations like this that seem like impossible situations, I'll just ask myself, well, what would you do? You know, what would you do if you were the press secretary? And I and I look at a situation like this and I would say, in in order to get me to agree to be press secretary, I will do it under the condition that that I will never lie, that I that that I will put the best spin on the truth, but I will never actually lie. And so I would have answered that question. The president simply forgot, as we've been through all this, we know all this. Um, th this isn't funny anymore. Uh, it's never been really funny, but it's 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 certainly accelerating. We talked about the presence of uh, Jill Biden more and more at the president's side to help him get on and off the stage, as we saw that night at Independence Hall. 
So this leads to a lot of speculation about who's really in charge, who's really the president, who's pulling the levers. And I will just simply tell you uh, what my personal experience was with the, um, with the if, if, if Washington is Gomorrah, then Sodom's just over the hill here in, uh, in Hollywood. I was in Hollywood show business uh, for 15 or 20 years. And I was an editor and working my way up through the post-production ranks before I started doing this. And as I got higher and higher and up and started listening more and more to the conversations of the big power players in, in Hollywood, I began to realize I'm going to find out who's actually behind the curtain, who's actually pulling the levers. And I did. And it turns out that there's nobody behind the curtains and there's nobody pulling the levers. The temptation to think that he's a spokesperson for somebody is almost overwhelming because clearly he's not, he's not capable of forming these kind of, of, of thoughts anymore. And so when you ask yourself who's in charge, the, 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 you, you get the most terrifying answer is the most likely one. And that is that nobody's in charge. That the whole thing is just a giant game of improvisation, damage control. What do we have to say today to cover up this, this mess? And what will we have to say tomorrow when the next one occurs? And uh, this is no way to run any country. Certainly no way to run this country. And I have said this from the beginning as a person whose mother suffered from this kind of thing. Joe Biden's mental decline, which was clear by 2019 or 20, uh, just to make to your point, Steve, I don't. I, this is not the Joe Biden we saw in 2016 when he stopped being vice president. That was a that was a different guy. Uh, this is not going to get better, and it's going to get worse. And then suddenly, it's going to get worse very quickly. And I get the feeling, having watched this a few times in my own life, that we are at that cusp now. So, what do we do when the president is no longer in charge and there is nobody in charge? Well, you would think you would go to the vice president, and that's what the Constitution was written for. Uh, the problem is, is the vice president who talked about our long and enduring friendship with North Korea uh, is probably in as bad shape. It's one thing to have a train barreling down the tracks without an engineer in the locomotive. It's another thing entirely when that train is not only the most powerful train in the world, it's also supposed to be the defenders of freedom at a time when freedom is directly under attack all around the world. This would be the time to have an engineer who knew what they were doing, and we certainly don't seem to have that. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time right here on Rating. Right